Section 35 of Modern Magic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. Modern Magic, a Practical Treatise on the Art of Conjuring by Professor Lewis Hoffman. Miscellaneous Tricks, Part 2. The Egg Bag. This is a very old-fashioned trick but if performed with address it is by no means ineffective it was exhibited in a modified form by the japanese jugglers who visited london a few years ago we shall first describe it in the simple form adopted by them and shall then proceed to explain the older and more elaborate version the japanese egg bag is about eight inches in depth and six in breadth and is made of alpaca tammy or some similar opaque material its only peculiarity is that one of its sides is double the stuff being folded down inwards from the mouth of the bag to about two-thirds of its depth and stitched at the sides but left open at its lower edge the effect of this arrangement is to make a sort of pocket mouth downwards inside the bag if any small article such as an egg be placed within the bag and the bag be turned upside down the article will not fall out but will fall into the pocket which, in the reversed position of the bag, will be mouth upwards. This will enable you to conceal the presence of any article in the bag, as you may turn it upside down and even inside out without any fear of the article falling. And so long as you take care to keep the pocket side of the bag towards yourself, the spectators have not the least reason for suspecting that the bag is otherwise than empty. The uses to which this little bag may be put are various amongst others it is available either to produce or cause the disappearance of an egg and may thus in combination with other apparatus be made useful for many tricks we shall content ourselves with describing one only of the modes of using it the performer comes forward having in his hand the bag in which is beforehand placed a small egg he turns the bag upside down and inside out thus proving to all appearance that it is perfectly empty Holding the bag for a moment with his teeth, he pulls back his coat cuffs to prove that he has nothing concealed in that quarter, taking care as he does so to show clearly that his hands are empty. Taking the bag in his left hand and imitating, if he can, the clucking of a hen, he dips his right hand into it and produces an egg, or rather the egg. This he places in his mouth, letting all see that he does so, then making a gesture of swallowing, he again dips his hand in the bag, and produces a second egg, of which he disposes in the same way, repeating the operation until a dozen or more have been apparently produced and swallowed. With the reader's present knowledge, it is hardly necessary to suggest to him that the egg, though fairly placed in the mouth, is, under cover of the hand, instantly pushed out again with the tongue and palmed rendering it a very simple matter to produce, apparently, another egg from the bag. Although so absurdly simple, the trick is effective, and, if neatly performed, produces a complete illusion. The bag, which is more generally known as the egg bag, is a much larger affair, measuring 18 to 20 inches in width by 14 or 15 in depth. In its most approved form, one side of the bag is made double, the double side being stitched all round, save for about four inches at one corner of the bottom of the bag. The little opening thus left affords, therefore, the sole access to the space between the double sides. Between these double sides and immediately below their upper edge is stitched a broad band with a row of a dozen or more little pockets, each capable of holding an egg and upwards. 
each pocket covers about two-thirds of the egg which is prevented from falling out spontaneously by a little piece of elastic round the edge of the pocket though it will slip out and fall into the space between the double sides on the slightest pressure being applied to it the bag is prepared for use by placing an egg in each of the little pockets we have mentioned the eggs used are either blown shells or imitation eggs of wood or tin with one real one for the performer to break as a specimen and so lead the audience to the belief that all are equally genuine the bag being brought forward is turned upside down of course nothing falling from it the performer then thrusting his arms down to the bottom and seizing the bag by the corners inside turns it inside out taking care however to keep the double side towards himself having thus conclusively proved its emptiness he again brings back the bag to its normal condition and in the act of doing so squeezes with his finger and thumb through the stuff the genuine egg out of its pocket it falls into the space between the double sides and by gently sloping the bag downward in the direction of the opening at the corner he brings the egg into the outer bag whence he produces it and breaks it to show its genuineness as already mentioned again he turns the bag inside out shaking and twisting it and again produces an egg from it as before repeating the operation until the supply of eggs is exhausted sometimes he varies his proceedings by trampling or jumping on the bag which he lays for that purpose on the floor with its lower edge towards the audience the eggs are thus on the side remote from the spectators and in trampling on the bag it is very easy for the performer to avoid that particular line in which he knows them to be it was formerly the fashion after bringing out a number of eggs as above described to finish by producing the hen which is supposed to have laid them this was done by an adroit exchange of the bag just used for another containing a hen hung in readiness behind a chair or some other convenient cover this latter bag having no double side or other preparation might safely be abandoned to the inspection of the most curious spectator where it is not intended to produce the bird it will still be well to have the second bag so as to be able to make an exchange and to hand the bag for inspection it is a great improvement to the egg bag to have the lower portion say the last three inches of its depth made of network so that the spectators can at once see each egg as it falls into the bottom of the bag it is hardly necessary to observe that in this case the inner lining of the double side must terminate where the network commences to produce eggs from a person's mouth while upon the subject of eggs we may notice this though it has always appeared to us a rather disagreeable trick it is rarely exhibited as a separate feat but generally as a prelude to some other illusion for the performance of which three or four eggs are necessary the performer requiring eggs sends his assistant to fetch a plate on his return he places him holding the plate with both hands in front of him facing the company the performer is seen beside him and gently patting him on the head an egg is seen to appear between his lips this is taken from him and placed on the plate the performer passing behind him now stands on his other side and again patting his head another egg is produced in like manner this is repeated until the requisite number of eggs is procured the assistant as each fresh one is produced simulating increasing difficulty as though the eggs were forced up from the stomach by a powerful muscular effort this effect is produced as follows we will suppose that five eggs are to be produced one is placed beforehand in the mouth of the assistant and four more are placed in the pochettes or tucked under the waistband of the performer two on each side having placed his assistant in position the performer secretly takes one of these latter into his right hand and palms it 
patting the assistant on the head with his left hand he waits until the egg appears between the teeth and immediately on its appearance raises his right hand as if to receive it thus bringing up the palmed egg opposite the mouth while the egg that is already in the mouth slips back under cover of the hand out of sight the palmed egg is laid on the plate to the performer in the act of passing behind his assistant palms a second egg in his left hand the same pantomime is again gone through save that in this case the right hand pats the head and the left hand is held to the mouth to receive the egg after four eggs have been produced in this manner the fifth which has been all along in the mouth is produced apparently in like manner but the performer takes care that in this instance it shall be seen beyond a doubt that the egg really does come from the mouth which being manifestly the case in this instance the audience are pretty sure to jump to the conclusion that all were produced in an equally bona fide manner the pillars of solomon and the magic brattle there is a very old-fashioned apparatus sometimes called the pillars of solomon for apparently uniting a piece of cut string it consists of two slips of wood each about four inches in length by five-eighths of an inch square laid side by side at about an inch from one end of each a transverse hole is bored and through this passing through both slips a string is passed and may be drawn backwards and forwards from side to side the apparatus having been shown in this condition the performer passes a knife between the two slips thus apparently dividing the string but the string is notwithstanding still drawn backward and forward through the holes as sound as ever the secret lies in the fact that the string does not in reality go straight through the two slips of wood from side to side a glance at figure 160 will enlighten the reader as to its real course instead of passing straight through from a to d as it appears to do when the two pillars are laid side by side which is the condition in which they are first exhibited to the spectators it passes down the length of the first pillar from a to b out at b and into the second pillar at c whence it passes upwards and emerges at d the passing of the knife between the two points a and d does not therefore affect the string in the least it is obvious that in this form of the apparatus the two pillars being joined by the cords at the points b and c cannot be completely separated and the fact of their always being kept close together at the lower end is quite sufficient to betray to an acute observer the principle of the trick there is however an improved form of the same apparatus in which after the apparent cutting of the cord the two pillars are held wide apart one in each hand of the performer and yet when they are again placed side by side the string runs backwards and forwards merrily as ever the pillars are in this instance of the form shown in figure 161 they are about six inches in length of light and elegant shape having at each end a ball or knob of about an inch and a quarter in diameter flattened on one face to allow of the pillars being laid closely side by side the cord as in the former case passes down the first pillar from a to b but instead of passing out at b it is rolled round a little pulley working in the lower knob of that pillar see figure 162 which gives a sectional view of the lower portion of each pillar a similar cord is passed down from d in the second pillar to c and is there rolled round a second pulley but in the opposite direction to that of the first cord so that if both pulleys move in the same direction the cord on the one will be wound and the cord on the other unwound each pulley is of one piece with its axis the axis of the one terminating in a little square tenon or nut and that of the other in a corresponding mortise or hollow 
so that when the two pillars are placed side by side their axes fit the one into the other and whichever of the two pulleys is set in motion the like movement is communicated to the other the effect of this is as follows if the cord at a be pulled it unwinds that portion of the cord which is wound on the pulley at b and by the same movement winds up the cord on the other pulley and vice versa we have omitted to mention that there is glued into a little hole on the flat side of each of the upper knobs exactly opposite the points a and b a very minute piece say an eighth of an inch in length of similar cord these greatly heightening the appearance of reality upon the apparent cutting of the cord the pillars are brought forward side by side the nut of the one pulley fitting strictly into the hollow of the other the performer shows by drawing the cord backward and forwards that it fairly traverses the two pillars from side to side taking a knife he passes it between the two pillars and to all appearances cuts the cord immediately taking the pillars one in each hand and showing the cut ends really the short bits on the inside to prove that it is fairly cut through again bringing the pillars together taking care that the mortise and the nut correspond as before he commands the cord to be restored and again pulls it backwards and forwards as at first some little fun may be created by placing the upper knobs of the pillars pincer fashion one on each side of a person's nose the cord being thus apparently made to run right through the nose an air of greater probability may be given to this curious effect by first piercing the nose with a magic bradawl this is in appearance an ordinary bradawl but the blade is so arranged as to recede into the handle on the slightest pressure again reappearing being in fact forced forward by a spiral spring in the handle as soon as the pressure is removed a duplicate bradawl of ordinary make is first handed round for examination and the trick bradawl being adroitly substituted the performer proceeds therewith to bore a hole through the nose of any juvenile volunteer who will submit to the operation holding a piece of cork on one side of the nose he apparently thrusts the awl through the nose the sinking of the blade into the handle exactly simulating the effect of a genuine perforation some performers make use of a sponge moistened with some liquid resembling blood by which a little pressure is made to trickle down from the imaginary wound but this is a piece of realism which we think is better omitted the nose being thus apparently pierced the imagination of the spectators is in a measure prepared to accept the phenomenon of the restored cord running through it as already described the magic coffers these are round tin boxes japanned to taste and made generally about five inches in depth by three in diameter though they are sometimes larger the only specialty about them is a movable portion a which may either be removed with the lid or left upon the box according as the lid is lifted with or without lateral pressure this movable portion is bottomed with a grating of parallel wires an eighth of an inch apart the coffers are generally worked in pairs the effect produced by them being the apparent transmission of the contents of the one to the other and vice versa they may be worked with various articles for our present purpose we will suppose that the performer desires to change white haricot beans to coffee berries both of which suit the apparatus very well he beforehand fills the one coffer with beans and the movable compartment belonging to it with coffee berries doing exactly the reverse as to the second coffer the coffers are now brought forward and the performer removing the lids with the movable compartments allows the spectators to satisfy themselves that each coffer is full to the bottom and that the contents are nothing more or less than what they appear to be 
This being established, he returns to his table and again puts the lids on the coffers, taking care that that which contains the beans shall be placed on the coffer containing the coffee berries, and vice versa. He now requests two of the younger spectators to step forward and assist him with the trick. A couple of volunteers having been procured, they are made to salute the audience and are then seated upon chairs at each side of the stage, each being entrusted with one of the coffers, which, that all may see, they are requested to hold with both hands above their heads. The performer standing between them says, Now, young gentlemen, I must caution you to hold tight, or the electrical forces which are rapidly generating in these magic coffers will carry them clean away, and possibly you along with them. Now, first please tell me, just to start fair, which coffer is it that you have got, sir, the one with the beans or the one with the coffee berries? The chances are ten to one against the extempore assistants remembering which was which, and the majority of the audience will be equally uncertain. The professor pretends surprise and disappointment. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot possibly appreciate the beauty of these philosophical experiments unless you follow them carefully from the commencement. I will open the coffers once more. So saying, he opens first the one coffer, and then the other, taking care, however, to lift the lids only, so that the one which really contains the coffee berries shows the layer of beans, and that which contains the beans the layer of coffee berries. In each case he takes up a handful and lets them flow back from his hand into the coffer, the better to impress upon the audience the contents of each. Finally placing a bean in the hands of the youth who holds the supposed coffer of beans, and a berry in the hands of the holder of the supposed coffee berries. Again closing the lids, he requests the person holding the bean to throw it into the closed coffer held by the other. The juvenile, looking foolish, replies that it can't be done, and a similar reply is received from the youth holding the other coffer. The performer, addressing the company, asks someone else to make the attempt, but equally without success. He continues, Gentlemen, among this large and brilliant audience not one person can be found who will undertake to throw this little bean into one of those coffers. Imagine, then, the difficulty of passing the whole of the beans which this coffer contains into the other, not dropping even one on the way, and at the same moment transferring the whole of the berries in this coffer into that which, a moment before, was full to the brim with beans. But it must be done. Young gentlemen, will you be kind enough to repeat with me one, two, three? At the word three, by the way, you had better close your eyes, or they might possibly be injured by the shower of beans and berries. Are you ready, Mr. Beans? Are you ready, Mr. Berries? Now then, one, two, three. Did you feel them pass? I hope they did not hurt you. Now let us once more open the coffers. I have kept my word, you see. Mr. Beans has the coffee berries, and Mr. Berries has the beans. Will you please step forward and show the company that the coffers are, as at the first, full to the very bottom? The lids containing the movable compartments he meanwhile places carelessly upon his table. Some performers make the change more than once, and it is obvious that the contents of the coffers may be made to apparently change places any number of times. If this is done, however, the secret of the false tops is apt to be suspected, whereas in the method above described the audience have, as they believe, proved the coffers full to the bottom, both before and after the trick and this greatly increases the difficulty of accounting for the transposition. The object of having the false tops bottomed with open wire work instead of with tin is to be prepared for the expression of a suspicion on the part of the audience as to the existence of a false top. In such case the performer, 
borrowing a penknife, passes it well down through the upper layer of beans, etc., and through the wirework, thus proving apparently that the coffer is open to the bottom. In the trick as above described, however, the expression of such a suspicion is a very remote contingency. The trick is sometimes performed with sweetmeats in one or both of the coffers, and in this form has an added charm for a juvenile audience, who complete the trick by swallowing that portion of the apparatus. End of section 35